You're listening to Red Nation Online. Saturday, March 30th. It's Andre Zadorozny, and I'm Ian Clark, and we're back from the BMO Field home opener. And what some might call a disappointing 2-2 draw with the LA Galaxy. We here at Eastside Santa prefer to call it still better than 2012. The Reds might need to break the late goal curse, but four points against two of the best teams in the league is something to build on. We start off by looking at the home openers of past, run through the match, marvel at Robert Earnshaw's form, the return of Luis Silva, and a goal from Jonathan Osorio, and discuss the state of the club where even with a scarf as a bribe, TFC can only get 18000 out on the nicest day of the year. All of that and more on the next 40 minutes on Eastside Stand Up. Siblings, what does that mean? That's from, um, it's from a Wayne's World sketch with Aerosmith, and uh, Tom Hanks played the roadie, and he checks the, the microphones of Aerosmith because they're going to do a live song in Wayne's World, and he goes, check one, two, two, sibilance, sibilance, one, two, sibilance. So now i got to find a way to, to top that intro. It's Andre, <laughs> sibilance, sibilance. Yeah, my, my knowledge of Wayne's World sketches. Yeah. Not, some people will, someone will appreciate so that. I'm sure they someone will appreciate that. I'm sure. I'm glad they will. And you know what? I'm, I'm saying we cut it out, but I think we have to leave it in. And we gotta, we gotta have something uplifting to start this podcast off because uh, one thing that really, really pissed me off is I had so many. What should I say? Not jokes, but like two one home opener twice in a row. Right. Two home openers. Right. Two two to one. Oh, I see. You know, I'm thinking like Jacob Tutu. I'm thinking like <laughs> Goodfellas with Johnny Two Times, whatever his name was. Like I had them all lined yeah, up. Yeah, it speaks two times. And then Daryl Russell sh- yeah. shits all those down to shit. Yeah, that's right. Because he heads the ball back into the box. And it wasn't, and that was just like the icing on the cake for his whole game. Just really poor. Not a great one. From and there was a lot of hype up for his for his defensive yeah, efforts with uh, Ashton for, Morgan gone. Right, right. When he needs someone to fill in that hole. And he's got a pretty good accreditation. He's coming from Pompey. Um, a team that almost got liquidated. But still, maybe this is their liquidation assets. This is their, well, let's hype him up and, and give him to Toronto. Toronto FC. Yeah. But um, he Well, in his defense, poor game. he is a midfielder by yes, trade. He's not okay. a defender. And uh, he proved it today. <laughs> well said. Thank you. Well said. But let's, you know, I got that off my chest, off the top, and I wanted to make sure that I did that. Good. And obviously, everyone knows it by now. I'm sure. I'm sure by the time you know this podcast is up there, and people have had a chance to, you know, wake up on Sunday or Monday, they've cleared their hangover through, they've taken their aspirin, and they've sort of reflected and said, "Well, you know, we, at least we got a draw." Because, right. you know, a lot of people probably might not have thought that uh, an LA Galaxy team, we could beat them. But With Landon Donovan actually playing. He actually too. showed up, yeah. yeah. But uh, in the moment now, uh, you know, a 2-2 draw, LA kind of has that bookends of opening the scoring, closing the scoring, and it's just you're ticked off at mm-hmm. the start and you're 
going home right. a little bit bummed out at the end. Yeah, I mean, neither team played particularly well, um, in my opinion. But uh, LA didn't give up, and they it's just like Toronto when they went ahead when they scored the equalizer uh, off a mistake of a back end mistake by LA. But, but again, oh, sorry, I was going to say that Toronto, LA's opening goal to Daryl Russell. That's right. In on that play. That's right. And that, uh, Daryl Russell seems to be connected with all, all, all the mishaps that had happened in this game. But what I was saying was that Toronto picks up on a defensive gaffe, and that's the same thing happened with, with Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, and by a player, but where's he coming from? Well, he's a he's American U20. I uh, think he's coming through the system in Los Angeles, if I'm not mistaken. Like a lot of promise for this guy. Yeah. Um, you know he's kind of he's kind of like lumped into that group of uh, Louis Gill is supposed to be this next big guy for the U.S. and uh, Villarreal comes out and looks really good. So and he, I mean he capitalized on a, on a horrendous error, a ninety-plus minute error, and uh, did a half uh, fantastico and put it in the back of the net. Yeah, so let's I mean let's look at kind of rounding this game from the very beginning, Andre, because obviously we're coming in from a two-week break. And we're coming in from Montreal, uh-huh. uh, two-one loss there, but you know on the road against Montreal, uh, you know big rival. Montreal's looking great this year. <clears throat> I don't think we came out of that game feeling particularly gutted. You know we we had a good showing. There was promise. I think that's sort of an overlying theme of the season. Is as long as we're showing something, uh-huh. I think for the most part people will be okay with that. A point's a point too, right? I mean, in terms of the rebuilding again. Hey, I'll. Take a point. And this time last year. Exactly. We, <laughs> we had nothing. We had nothing. We had big goose eggs. And yeah. We looked awful. And that two-week break, you can kind of see in the first, before Toronto scored their goal, um, and we're down a goal, and they looked tired and listless. And yeah. Before LA scored, they just looked, it was such a beautiful day today. Oh. I, I was saying, I felt like we had packed the lunch, and we were enjoying, <laughs> we're seeing free soccer uh, out in the... Uh, out there in the, the yard, that's right. Mm. Mm, grapes, anybody? Yeah. <laughs> and that's how it felt. Uh, the South End was notoriously quiet, um, but that could be for many reasons. Um, but at the same time, and everybody was just—it was. I could hear, as I told you, I could hear the players communicate. Yeah, I could never hear the players communicate at a, at a regular game. I mean, years ago, it's, it was eerie. Yeah, that's something I think. Uh, heading into this, I mean, it's <laughs> we're calling it a home opener. But it's not the home opener. But it is the home opener. Like mm, I don't know how to really cut it. And I know that the team's trying to. Was, I think they were trying to build a little more hype yeah. at this thing. Like no, no, this is like the BMO home opener. Right. Everybody come out. And as we saw, not everybody came out. But if there was one thing for this home opener, I mean, for us who shows up pretty much to every game, we could not have asked for a better match. No. And you know what? If we look, if we run through. I mean, weather-wise. Op- yeah. If we run through the home opening games that we've had over the last, I think we're on the seventh home opener now, at BMO Field, this really might have been one of the best ones in terms of not freezing our asses off, right. not being soaked through to the bone, not getting our asses handed to us by San Jose, yeah. you know, not... Uh, Portland, sure, we won that game. Philadelphia, we won that game. But those were ugly, ugly matches. And Real Salt Lake, we won that game. Yeah, and even Real Salt Lake. But Seattle handed it to us. Kansas City, was that was a, you know, freezing. Yeah. All all the things where it's just like, ugh. But today, 
Man, I think I got some sun. Yeah, we did. We got a little redness in the around. And the eyes. I go, I go to this game with layers on. I'm wearing long johns. I, I have this idea you were in my expecting head. Expecting a winter storm. Well, you're sitting by the lake. You know what else? That's true. It's five I, degrees cooler. I'm expecting it to be cold. Yeah, I, even when did. it's even when it's nice. I was a little warm too, but it was um, maybe this is a, a, a kind of pathetic fallacy, if I if I may, of a, a bright future of the team. Huh? What do you think of that? How's that? How's that for education for you? I think that's a load of shit, Andre. <laughs> well, every and it's funny. Every game, every home game last year felt like it was lightning. It was thunder. It was replays. It was just awful. It was cold. Even in like May, it was cold for whatever reason. I, I don't know. But I think this is now. We're not losing. We're not winning. But we're not zero and three or zero and four right now. Well, let's get into this game. Enough of this talk about I don't know what because um, <clears throat> we head into it and uh, a two week break and I think the one thing a lot of people might have been looking towards in this break was maybe a new signing but yeah, uh, there's a release on yeah, Friday huge Julio Cesar strange by bio where are <laughs> by bio <laughs> hardly knew you there was just, there was a lot of hype for that. I think we saw him for what all of maybe like twenty minutes At in the least. preseason. Yeah, I mean everybody was talking how big that was for Toronto, ESPN, MLS. It, uh, Everyone's it, saying like we just got to wait for Cesar to get healed, yeah, and then you know Dunfield or Hall is going to be gone, and our, right. and our defensive midfield situation is going to be vastly improved. At least he at least he'll be played in in a way that w- is positive for for the team during the game. Yeah. He might not play 90 minutes, but he, in those 10, 20, 30, 40 minutes, whatever he plays, he'll make an impact. And now he's gone. Yeah. So it's, I mean, that's pretty strange. I mean, we can draw, can try to speculate. But they didn't, they didn't put out, they didn't put out a press release at all. Well, they? it was, I saw it on CBC yesterday. But so. the, why though? No, not why. No, not Just why. that the Just team like is, he's, the he's, team is let him go. Yeah. Um, and I guess, you know, if we were going to speculate it, you're either looking at something like, okay, He's not getting any better, and there's no point in keeping him around. Right, and they are paying him. Right, or they're looking at the situation they have with Dunfield, Hall, Osorio, and they say, this is where the way we want to go. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to get Hall and Dunfield starting, and Osorio is going to be the guy that's coming in like yeah. we saw today. Yeah, Sorry, cool. like, and it's just, you know, you weigh that out and say, you know, here's your and salary. they're younger, they're not injured yet. Exactly. So... so Cesar, like you said, hardly knew you. Yeah. He's gone. No one's come in. Uh, but, you know, we're coming in against Los Angeles, who Robbie Keane's injured. Omar Gonzalez has been away at international duty playing with the States. And we have Landon Donovan on his existential, uh, yeah, his spiritual journey, journey uh, to Thailand and wherever else yeah. to visit ruins and <laughs> temples and, and kiss the ground. Buddhists yeah. and who knows what. Yeah. That, you know, it's something interesting about that is like, you know, you see mixed kind of uh, discussion about it. People are like, oh, I understand where he's coming from. Or people saying, you know, you just don't do that. And it's. But they put, I mean, I read an article about, I mean, they're talking mental illness here. And they're not talking about, I mean, I think that that was his big, his big deal um, when he was speaking to the press is that he felt he was being unfairly painted as a man who gives up. But I think there's a lot of pressure. I mean, everybody booed Landon Donovan when he came on. I kind of applauded him. I mean, I like him for the U.S. national team. I like. Yeah, you're laughing at me. It's <laughs> yeah, okay. It's okay. Guff, guff, guff. It's funny. But I will say this: he has. I think he, even watching him play, he had that little little fisticuffs there. Od, yeah, yeah, with Od. Um, 
so I don't know. Maybe his head isn't in the game. And uh, but we're talking about, uh, back to my point about mental illness. I mean, maybe it's more serious than we think. Um, but then again, but when they start putting words like that out there, yeah. you kind of can't shit on them. Yeah, you know, yeah. like oh, he's he's ill. Yeah, he's, he's you just w- never know because you know it's like I you know you hear something like that where it's just like hey you know give him a break he's been playing so much since he was like this age. And how can and that's a brilliant point you made to me last week. Yeah, I mean, how can you not? How can I not just counter that and say, well, hasn't Frank Lampard been doing that? Hasn't exactly. Steven Gerrard been doing that? Exactly. Haven't anybody know, worth salt? Seen international players been you know Michael Ballack been doing that? You know even Torsten Frings. You know, and it's like they never took had to take time off. But it's you know again, you can't you can't lump them all in together. No, but so, with, the, with all those players, those are great examples of players who have. Who are on the continent and ha- are in Europe and have freedoms that MLS players don't necessarily have. Landon Donovan is owned by the MLS. He's owned by that. I mean, they own the rights to a lot. You know, we've sp- sure. talked about this before. So it's not like Europe where you're not happy, team's not happy, contracts are essentially meaningless, right. and they let you go and you yeah. can go wherever you want. Landon Donovan played for Everton a few times, played really well for Everton. Um, what I did see, and comes back to LA and becomes the poster boy. I mean, I don't know. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate. I think maybe it's, got, it's all that's gone to him. Maybe he he's afraid he's going to miss his chance to play in Europe and play on the big stage, which he has. And you get a little taste of that. Well, we've covered so much ground, yet not still got into the game. So let's get into this game. <laughs> and let's you know, actually we have a, a lot of talking points today. I know. Well, that's you know that's the thing. It was there was a point. That's because it's getting in the game early on where we we're both sort of like. <laughs> It's warm, we're feeling the sun <laughs> cooking us, and we're like, I might just lay back yeah. and uh, catch a few Z's like, here. This it's game just really... like the way Toronto was playing. In the oh, game... It's nice, fresh grass, yeah. smells good today. And that first, like, 10, 15 minutes, uh, you know, wasn't very exciting. Out of nowhere, you know, we see, we see kind of how the game, we look like Toronto's going to get this going, and Toronto comes out pretty much with the same thing we've seen from the start of the season. You know, four at the back, you have the two midfielders with Hall and Dunfield, three guys in the midfield, or in the attacking midfield with Lamb, Ephraim, Bostock, mm-hmm. and Earnshaw up top. And it seemed pretty clear from the start that the the strategy was trying to pull that defensive line, you know, out in the midfield and try to catch a long ball over the top with yeah. Earnshaw to run onto. And right off the top, there was the chances for it to happen. And after, like, I think after the first two or three, you know, I would have said, all right, well, we tried. But they just kept yeah. hammering it, and trying it- to do it. And it was like, we, you know, we were like, oh, man, if they keep doing this, you know, it's just not going to work out. It's like they don't didn't watch any footage or didn't remember how they played against Kansas City in the Sky Dome. They didn't play that game. They played short balls. I mean, they did try every now and then, but that's how they scored their goals. They were trying to get to trying to get up up ahead, and uh, they didn't didn't work that way this yeah. time. And it's only when they got a goal back is when things started getting a little tighter. Exactly, and when we so we saw that opening goal from uh, the Galaxy. And we already kind of laid it out how you know they bookended it and awful right, it, defending. Again. It was really poor where it was. I and I don't remember who the the ball kind of got to the top of the eighteen yard box with nice a nice mm-hmm. amount of space, and he just kind of slots it across the face of goal, yep. and you have McGee running onto it. And, and who was on McGee? Daryl Russell. Right. It looked like it was that was his man coming back. Didn't quite get him, and they slotted For in. For a player that played, that just came out of the second division of of, of England. Yeah. I mean, he only got seventeen starts for Pompey, but still. I mean, he should know better. Right. Uh, and so we're kind of sitting there being like, wow. And yeah. part of me is like, well, I'm halfway through to my prediction for the scoreline. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see how this works out. 
And, you know, thankfully, though, we didn't have to wait that long. You know, there was, you know, there was a little bit of action going on. Uh, you know, Bendick made a nice uh, outstretch save around the 20th minute. We're still seeing this long, long, action, long ball action going on, which is just was a bit befuddling on why that was happening. But then in the 29th minute, just like in the Kansas City game, we see this sloppy back pass uh, in, you know, from, from kind of out on the wing to the middle, and Earnshaw closes Earnshaw it down. It. Kudicini comes running out. He just, you know, feeds it off into space for himself. And, you know, we noted that perfectly where you could have seen him maybe trying to slot along the ground yeah. and they would have, he would have blocked it. Yeah. But no, he just lifts it yeah, just right. it was great. All class. Yeah. A great goal. And so here at 1-1 and I'm like, all right, if this holds out, my prediction's right. Yeah. And I'll feel great about myself. <laughs> but, you know, to give Toronto credit, you, like you said, from that point on, the Reds looked a lot better. Mm-hmm. You know, they kind of changed up that strategy yeah. where they were just trying to hoof it over the top and they started playing a little more possession game. And they played Bostock more. Yeah. And then getting the ball to him, getting it low, and um, that works. I mean, Bostock had an okay game, yeah. but when you get it to him, they played better in the second half, but the more you get it to him and his his class and his, his ability to move the ball on his feet, it definitely moves the ball forward and then they can get better opportunities. Yeah, he needs to get, he definitely needs to get lots of touches of the ball to try to do this work in the corners, but also just to keep moving it around. I think he's a guy that's going to require that, I think, yeah. to, to, you know, the more he gets the ball, probably the higher probability he's going to make something happen. Right, Ephraim too. I mean, once that goal happened, the tying goal, it wasn't just the Earnshaw show. It wasn't trying to get it over Earnshaw. Get Lamb it over as Earnshaw. well. Right, exactly. They all, all three of the attacking forwards. And then, of course, you know, I think I, I, I mentioned that uh, Terry Dunfield in that last stretch too. There was, a, there was a window maybe from like the 30th minute, you know, that last... Last portion of the the first half into the first portion of the second half, even though he got subbed out quite early, I thought Dunfield really showed well. He showed a lot of tenacity. He was winning battles. He made some nice passes, yeah. not uh, horizontal passes, but some good vertical yeah. passes. And he was constantly showing himself yeah. for the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, running into space. He you know he pass it off to to Bostock, but then he'd be in area to pick up the pass and keep the ball moving. He was along. playing like Torsten Frings in a in a weird kind of way. Torsten Frings' role was to to be that connector, always be available, always be available, and get yeah. get the ball low and get it get it passed out to your wingman. And uh, 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 that's the first time I think I've seen uh, Dunfield in that position, playing that position that way. Yeah, and then through you know we should mention through the end of that first half, you know Reggie Lamb did have two. Nice chances on goal. The first one was when he was on the the short side of goal. Yes. For we were sitting, it looked like it might have gone yeah. in, but of course the lack of celebration immediately indicated that it didn't go in. Yeah. And then he had one right right at the end where Kudichuni came sliding out and it looked like that if, if he had just put like a you know the pedal in the metal and, he, and, and, he and sacrifice his body, uh, yeah. he might have been able to get a foot on it. That's what I thought. Or and, even get the penalty, which is what he was looking for. I think. Yeah, because Kudicini didn't touch the ball. No, it looked like he did foul Lamb, but that's where I'm seeing that play, and I'm saying you didn't. It's like you have to commit one or the other, and he yeah. didn't either. He didn't commit to try to draw the foul, and he didn't commit to yeah, try to get a exactly. foot on the ball. So he's in this middle land, and which is why the ref didn't give it to him. Yes, I think if he tried to go for the shot and touch the ball, and Kudicini ran into him, probably could have drawn the foul. Yeah, going into the second half mm-hmm. now, uh, you know we're sitting we're sitting at one one. Things are looking pretty good for Toronto, and it's like at that point, you know, we'd seen some decent action, and and at one one draw, I think at that point in the game, I'm like, hey man, that's yeah. a result. I'm pretty okay with that. Yeah. But as the as the half rolls on, you know, we touched on on Landy Cakes, Lynn Donovan. He comes in in the 60th minute. That's the first sub that you know we kind of start seeing to ourselves or thinking to ourselves, hmm, LA might start taking this game a little more seriously. And they did. Yeah, and start putting they, more attacking more pressure. 
and we're tacking him forward. I'm also thinking with that substitution too, is that Bruce Arena says, you know, we have a game midweek against Monterey. We need Landon Donovan for that game. I need to get him some time on the pitch yeah. because he's going to have to play for that game. Yeah. They're also probably thinking as well, you know, we don't, one one's probably not a bad result for Los Angeles, but they want to have the right kind of momentum going into that game as sure. well, not the wrong kind of momentum. So there's a lot of, uh, I think there's a lot of strategy playing. And then as soon as Landon Donovan comes on, <laughs> I'm talking to you about it. We're talking in the bleachers. How, you know, Dunville's playing so good. And he <laughs> this brutal pass. Yeah, hoofs it over. That just goes to nobody. Yeah. Your brother texts us and goes, fucking Dunfield. <laughs> and then within a second, Dunfield comes out. Jonathan Osorio comes in. And then shortly thereafter, uh, Hogan Efrain comes out and Silva comes in. And there's this five-minute, six-minute window that Ryan Nelson makes these substitutions, key substitutions. Mm -hmm. Key substitutions, Definitely. two key players down the stretch of the game. Yeah, Silva's seeing, good seeing him back on the pitch, and he and he's hungry, and he's making himself making himself known, and uh, sets up sets up the goal. Yeah, and that's, I think, uh, the start of the season when I'm looking at this team. You know, two, I think there's two guys when you're looking at Toronto's ability to score that we're desperately missing. Uh, one is Luis Silva, and of course the second one is Danny Kuvermans. Louis Silva brings something. You know, Danny Cooperman's just a guy that just bangs him in, right? Like you yeah. just as long as he's a guy pushes his way through. And yeah, just throw that ball into the into the eighteen yard box. Cooperman's will run onto it and knock it in. And that's and that's what we're sorely missing in, with him in the box. And Earnshaw doesn't have Earnshaw's tiny, and in those crosses and stuff, he's getting up and fighting for the ball for those headers. Those guys are at least some of them are two feet up above him, and he's just not going to get to them. <laughs> two feet up above him. <laughs> he's five feet. <laughs> The LA Defenders are seven foot eight. <laughs> I'm being jokey, but I, you know, I just said what it looks like. You know, he's tiny, and he's he's fighting in that box. And I, I miss Cooperman's. And now that you bring it up, Cooperman's doesn't have that problem. No, he doesn't. He's like ten feet tall. <laughs> I have to call you out on that. I'm I know sorry, it's funny. Someone else will. <laughs> but anyways, um, I'm making him tiny. But that's the be. thing is that you know Silva brings something in the attack that we don't really see from. Lamb, Ephraim, and Bostock. And as sort of tricky as those guys are, I don't think they quite have that that same touch that, that Silva has, the right. ability to pass in tight spaces. Oh, Bostock yeah. kind of has shown that. But and, and then add on that, Silva can score. Right. And Osorio comes on, Silva comes on, and we see this great around, what was it, around the 71st minute where Robert Earnshaw does like this kick. Yeah, right to yeah. flick the ball on to Silva, who you can tell as soon as he comes on the field, he's just desperate to make an impact. Yeah. You know, you can tell he's been sitting on the sidelines, just wanting to get on the field. He gets this ball, and you can you just saw that the way he was taking on. If I'm not mistaken, it was Gonzalez. Yeah, one v one. Then he's like, I'm going to make this happen. Yeah, and he you know he cuts in, cuts back, That's cuts true. in, cuts back, goes to the line, slots it along, and Osorio is running onto the ball, and again. Here's another guy if you want to talk about someone where, you know, Cesar is gone, Osorio yeah. comes on. Wow, what a way to like kind of give the team and give your coach and give Kevin Two Payne promising players confidence on yeah. that on that release. Um, exactly. That he's like, yeah, put me on, I'll make something happen. Yeah. He just gets And it's funny because I did look I thought that Silva had scored that goal because he slots it through through everybody, I guess, and Osorio had even on the replays, you saw different angles. I didn't really see him touch it, but I guess he did. Yeah. Either way, both of them making that connection is big for the future. Right. And uh, here we are sitting at two to one. 
And as of course, like I was it's saying, unbelievable. And, it, we, and we were speaking about it earlier that we definitely could have won that game when they when they were tied one one. They had the pressure, especially when those two came on. You're, you're right because that's true. We at one one. You and I were talking, saying we can win this game. Win I this think game. we can win this game. LA was, LA was falling back a bit. Yeah, they looked a bit sleepy. So we get this lead, and I'm you know we're all like I said, I'm already. I'm already writing my post game, you know, introduction for the podcast. I got all the jokes lined up and everything like that. And as we get down to the crunch, and we see the the game wind down, we hit ninety minutes, and they say three minutes of three extra minutes, time, which like, is what? absurd. Where are they getting three minutes from? But I think they didn't. It wasn't within three minutes. No, within, it was within like a minute that they scored the goal. That we see the pressure come from LA. You know, it looks like Toronto has it under control, and they. Throw this cross across and Daryl Russell. And like I was saying, if you can, I, I can't help but think if you can climb up to head a ball forward, you should have been able to head a ball out or at least or, behind, or backwards, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And he heads it back into the box. And I think, I don't think Caliph or OD, and I think if I'm not mistaken, Caliph was the closer guy to Villarreal. I don't think they were prepared for that ball to be coming right back in there from their own player. And Villarreal just, you know, kind of does this, you know, turns on it yeah. and just drills it into the back of the net. And we're sitting at 2-2. Two -two. Yeah. And that's how it finishes. Yeah. Um, they had one last push. Um, Bostock played really well on the ball, kept it in in the L.A. LA, LA zone and and um, got the corner. And the corner was just piss poor. I don't even know who took it. Oh, they took it really quick. Yeah, they took it super quick. And it quick. came short, and that was, that was that pretty was much it. all she wrote. And here we sit at 2-2. Two -two. You know, I think everyone left that game feeling pretty disappointed uh, you know we had three points within within our reach but that's classic tfc you're almost i mean you're disappointed but i'm not surprised mm. you know i the, the last year i mean we were talking about getting rid of that that curse of, of of giving up i mean we were league leaders of giving up goals yeah um for a couple of years at least and um hopefully that that was going to change but with such changes on the bench, etc. I mean, unfortunately, that specter still haunts us. Well, and if you, you can look at it like this, too, I mean, like, this is a team that's still coming together. This is a team that's still getting used to one another, and they probably haven't, you know, been... Well, obviously, the Kansas City game is one example, but that game played out a little bit different because we had the 2-0 lead. This was one where we came back, we took the lead, and then this pressure came at the end. You know, these are just experience that this group has to get together. And it wasn't even... LA didn't like it wasn't like a wall of pressure that we've seen. It was just they were playing their game. Yeah. And and it was a a mistake on our defense. Yeah. And we suffered for it. And that's an interesting thing where it's like I'm curious how after this game what the conversation's going to be because I think after those first three games of the year a lot of people were saying hmm, like Ashton Morgan hasn't played you know as good or hasn't been as influential right. as we saw from uh, the end of 2011 and through 2012 where you know we know his, his defensive game still needs a lot of work on the offensive end you know in 2012 he was quite good mm -hmm. uh we haven't seen quite that influence yet in the first three games this year and when you see him struggling defensively then you know you're kind of weighing out what should we do and with him away at international duty coming back from qatar late uh, you know we see eckersley slotted in a left back russell put a right back but russell I don't think was overly convincing. So now we have, they're going to have this question, I would think, heading into the Dallas game, you know, do we put Eckersley back right back and, and let Morgan right. have a shot? Yeah. What do you think? I think we go with Morgan. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, if Russell's natural um, not natural position is a midfielder, why is he playing back there? Yeah. And I get it. You're tight for numbers, but still. Um, 
it just didn't it, it proved over and over again it wasn't just one mistake it was over and over again and it cost us the game so that's a that's that's huge yeah and that needs to be addressed and i think that's something where who knows how the season will play out i think we've they've there's play of some players that were you know in the mix of talking about but truthfully as a natural left back i mean morgan doesn't really have any competition all right uh, as a left footed guy i mean the only guy i can think of that i'm that, I can't even think of someone really who's who's going to be pushing him. So that's might be something they have to consider. Is saying you know we got to make sure that you know at center back we have Agbusamond. Uh, we just signed Richter this week, so there's a couple guys that are going to be pushing for that center uh, center back position. You know, right well, back. That's a good point. Agbusamond, like, well, what, I think Caleb and Od has been has been solid. But why not put? He's a natural defender anyway. Agbusamond. Why didn't he just put him on the on the right rather than put Russell on? It makes that that. That doesn't make any sense to me. Sure. I mean, if he's a natural midfielder and likes playing that position, why not have a defender? So, okay, he's not playing his natural center back position, but why not just put him on the left or the right and put Eckersley back in his natural position? Yeah. And just kept it that way. Well. You have someone with experience. At least they have experience defending the line rather mm-hmm. than someone who doesn't necessarily have any experience doing that. Yeah. It's a little strange. Well, I mean, that's maybe that's something moving forward. Mm-hmm. Obviously, because we saw that in Montreal game, right, where Morgan came out. Eckersley went to left back and Russell had right. that last little stretch of the game. So obviously that might have been something they've been they yeah. either discussed or worked yeah. on. So now that they've seen this in a game, they might have to reevaluate that. But now as we're looking ahead, you know, we have Dallas next weekend. Kenny Cooper returning to BMO Field. I mean, this seems like it's a place where, you know, when I you know, wherever he's played, but especially NFC Dallas, it seems it's like those names are linked. Yeah. Um, with you know Toronto not being able to hold on to a, to a mm-hmm. to a three points and Cooper coming up with a goal, it might have been only once or twice, but I feel like every time yeah. I just think of Cooper coming yeah. here and scoring on yeah. us. And uh, you know that's a game Dallas. You know there's a couple teams this year. You know you when you look at Chivas USA mm-hmm. Dallas, where last year they weren't as good, and this year they're off to a pretty good start. So we have to take them seriously. We have to try to come out. We have to take every game these, seriously. Yeah, you know? I mean, winning the games that deserve to be won and. Like LA, I mean, let's be honest. How many of us really thought they'd get a point? Yeah. You know? Well, I was. I mean, LA's gone through changes too, right? Yeah. But still, we obviously like I in in the in the countdown in the pregame, I saw that there was an opportunity there for mm-hmm. a point. I thought that was a bit of a stretch, and obviously, we saw there was an opportunity for three points. Yeah. So it's interesting to kind of see where this team is is moving and and what its sort of range of spectrum is in terms of competing with some of the better teams in the league. Right. You know, we obviously saw Sporting Kansas City is one of the best teams in the league. Uh, LA Galaxy is one of the best teams in the league. But maybe what we can extract from this result is that maybe we're returning to Toronto FC at least having more fight at home, Mm -hmm. which we didn't see last year. Right. You know, they were pit of the Fortress BMO. I mean, what a joke it would be to say that in 2012. Exactly. But this year, although it's only one game, we've had two home games where the team has looked pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. And if that's, I think if anything, if we were talking about a rebuilding season with Toronto FC, you know, not making the playoffs again, if there's one thing maybe that we could maybe try to establish is that at home, Toronto FC is either, you're either going to, you're either going to lose or the best case scenario is going to be a draw. Right. Right, and we can't keep letting last year. Holy cow! I, I remember I had the stat on the tip of my brain. I think the first four games at home, we didn't even score a goal, mm. and it took. Uh, it was the Chicago Fire game, right. which was the four, fifth or sixth home game, which was a two-two draw to finally get a point. Yeah, it was just pathetic. Yeah, right. That that's what it what it came down yeah. to for Toronto FC, and then of course it was Philadelphia on the tenth game. Right. If I'm mistaken, that was a one-nil win. Yeah. 
That's just unacceptable. No, I mean, there's, this can also go with the change of of changing of the guard, so to speak, um, with the man upstairs and this, all the, just uh, the bureaucracy changing and the coaching changes and someone who understands players more than what was happening last in the beginning of last year and uh, players in and out, etc. But I think that this team is completely better than how the team that was fielded in 2012, the beginning yeah. of the 20. You, I think you can see... You can't really compare the two because there was more fight. How, how many times in the beginning of last season, can you, if we were playing LA, can you actually, can any of us have said, oh yeah, we might win this game? Right, not in a million years. Right, and they, they they would just it was awful to watch them play and humiliating to watch them play after and, the first handful of games. Yeah, because obviously we did beat them in the Champions League. No, that's true. That's true. Which is stunning, considering what happened short 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 few weeks later. Right. Yeah. But you know that being said, it was weird that the way they played in the Champions League and the way they they carried themselves in the league game yeah. was night and day. Oh, completely night and right? day. Right. You could see that that you know every it took every game. Uh, at the start of 2012, about 20 to 30 minutes for them to finally look like they were like, okay, we got a game to play now. Yeah, let's start playing hard. It's like their heads were completely elsewhere in mm-hmm. in, in Mexico or Central America or wherever they were going to play next. Yeah, and um, this isn't the case for this season, unless obviously the Toronto wins the Canadian Championship and then continu- continues on uh, to play in the Champions League, which we'll, we'll see how much metal that they 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 can muster. Yeah, um, so. As people have obviously heard from the first batch of uh, podcasts this year, it's been Andre and I, Steve Perry, Tim Vickery have been a little bit MIA. Uh, Steve serving suspension. Yeah, <laughs> Tim Vickery. Tim Vickery has been abroad actually a couple of times, so he's been he's in Mexico now. And Steve will be so hopefully they'll be back next week, which means you know the usual features that we run of Steve Perry loves to do um, smoke and mirrors because he yeah. just calls bullshit on everything that's mm-hmm. in the news. Even this week when I was like, did you read that really positive article about, you know, banged up and bruised on the TSN site for how hard they're practicing? And he just yeah. was like, it's bullshit. Like, <laughs> this is a media friendly city. They're, they're always going to cut them slack. And I was like, okay, okay. If you say so, Steve, we don't need them to be here to run sights and sounds. And that's the one that there's a couple of good ones that I wanted to pull out today. The first one, obviously, you know, if we're calling, if TFC is trying to brand this as a home opener, 18,355 for the home Home opener, a little bit uh, depressing isn't the word, but it's definitely, it definitely, you know, frames where this franchise is, where this team is uh, in relation to where it was five years ago. And, and what it needs to do to get itself back on track. Because one thing I definitely noticed for people who you wouldn't have seen it on TV, but sections 222 and 224, which is in the second tier, I might be generous as saying they were one quarter full. I think you are being generous. Yeah. They were they were practically empty. Which was weird because it was like the, the two yeah. the two ends were kind of full. North and south. The very middle had maybe half full. Yeah. But these two it's weird, these two strips were like super empty. And then you see in the in the north end, all across the top was pretty empty. I don't know what the east side looked like. Uh, on our side, well, when I watched it when I was waiting in line for beverages. Yeah. Um definitely it was spotty. Yeah. It was spotty. And this is I mean, this is the game that we get the scarf. I mean, shouldn't it be full? Everyone should be showing up to the game with a brand seen, new scarf. You've seen the scarf. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Turn people off. It was weird. Well, I don't know, it's like we were saying. It's not it'd, bad. Be, it'd be a cool scarf if they hadn't have um, like uh, sewn in like some the all for one. Grandmother had 
that oh we'll just sew this on it'll look great yeah and it's like no and i'm like no i'm just gonna rip that off yeah. when you're not looking yeah um, but you i'm listening to sights and sounds i'm listening to people speak and people are like it's a wait and see attitude and you could hear just people talking around us some people had never been to a game and they're talking to the person that has season tickets or is you know going halvesies with somebody and like where's the cheering where's all that and people are like oh it's wait and see and I think that's that's really what it is. Toronto has been duped so many times by the organization and by the team itself um, that it's it's time for a wait and see attitude, and not just at the drop of a goal be like ah we're the greatest team ever. It just it doesn't work. Not after six 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 years plus. Yeah, and you see this at the you know the beginning of the game. There was a bit of you know the flags were out when you know the, the when anthems they went down. Yeah. And you could see in 127, they're trying to get that up and running again. again you uh, even though, no, it's, um, it was North End Elite. North but End I don't League. think they're there anymore. It's like a different group of people who are trying yeah. to get that section up and running. But I think what you're seeing, and I think it's positive that it's like, you're not just going to get like, you know, like monkeys cheering when they're told, like, as it's like, oh, the, you're just supposed to do it no, all game long. It's, it's like, the, no, it's not the least. When the, when the team was playing well, stands were going crazy yeah. you know you saw the bounce happening when we were up two to one yeah when things were going good and, and and you know spill that out into not just within 90 minutes but the franchise as a whole right when the franchise turns around and we start seeing winning and, and a home game at bmo field is something to get excited about and we know that the team has a chance of winning then maybe yeah you're going to start seeing people chanting from the first minute through to the 90th exactly. minute but i think i think you're right i think there is a little bit of you know we've been through this so many times before you know, you have to show us something. You have to bring us back in, whether that's I'm talking about the South End or across the whole state. Well, it's a broken relationship, and it's something that um, MLSE has tried to salvage, and we've seen how they've done it, and it's very disingenuous and, and businesslike. But Toronto fans are very loyal, but TFC fans specifically are not stupid, and um, we can't be labeled as such. And so we go out there and with a grain of salt. Yeah. Um, it's not like it's not Leafs Nation, whereas Leafs Nation and there's a history there and there's something that people really latch onto and want to be a part of it, whether you're a poser or not, or you've been there, you've had tickets since you were a kid. So no one really brands you that way. But in Toronto and the TFC, you, you need to prove to the fans. Unfortunately, I wish the fans, like me included here, gave more protest and more things like that. But it's not that type of culture here. No. But we, but do, you're seeing, we, are, like, we are silent. Yeah, and you're seeing that now. Or the team, it's a different type of the team has maybe. to now that the, the team has to work a little bit harder to get twenty one thousand back out on the field. Yeah, eighteen eighteen and a half thousand. I mean, there was what twenty three thousand at the Sky Dome, which at the time which twenty six twenty three to twenty six. Yeah, I think it, was it was good. It was it was it was awesome. And um, but BMO is smaller, but you should still. I think it's twenty one over twenty one thousand. I think at least packed. we're adding the north that that the, the north side now. Yeah, but um, at least twenty one or twenty two thousand. Yeah. And it, it, there's no way that it shouldn't be sold out for the home opener, but it's not. And that just goes to show that... Home opener part two. Home opener part two, right. So let's see what happens. Yeah. And then the only other thing I wanted to mention as we close this out on sights and sounds is... This is a gripe of mine, Andre. Okay. You're in the stands and you're starting to sing and try to chant going. If you don't understand how a 4-4 tempo works, <laughs> don't, don't bother. Yeah. All right? Oh, when the Reds follows a tempo. <laughs> and when it ends, the 4-4 continues. If you don't know how to count 4-4, just come don't on. Don't do it. It's <laughs> don't do it. That is the, it's, the, it's the worst one I find where trying to pull everyone in to do it on time, it's well, that fucking section hopeless. Well, that section is also tough because it's not a supporter section, so to speak. 
Um, whereas you're at uh, on the on the south side, you're going to get more of a four four. Well, and you have a capo. Right? Yeah, you have that's someone right. that's leading it, yeah, and, and you're following point. that guy. Whereas we have people face painted drunk drunkards, yeah, uh, <laughs> trying to get it going, and then someone at the top going on something else and trying Ke- to pick it up. Gets, as it get, ends. catches up late, and it's like, oh, they're singing. Yeah. <sighs> and then as we walk out, we see the uh, you know the guy who just turned nineteen. Oh, drank too many buds. Yeah. Let me just say, I'm gonna I'm gonna accentuate how pathetic that is. That obviously that kid, this kid, <laughs> we saw a kid as we we're leaving. It's like, listen, listen, kid, you're not getting in vice, no. right? Yeah, you're not, right. You're not in the vice guard to party. Yeah. And in fact, you are now don't. That's because right. Because you went to BMO Field, you drank Budweiser, obviously. Which tastes like water. And you barfed all over yourself. Right. Uh, and now you're getting... Publicly. Now you're getting uh, medical assistance. And there's probably in the hospital right now. I should have taken a picture. You should have. And submitted it in because that guy was... Uh, he was One a, of his many humiliations. Yeah, I don't. He won't, he won't look back on this day no, much. It and, looked awful. Uh, you know, at least we can. Hope look- he's okay, though. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? We'll look on back. Even though it's a two to draw, let me try to tie this in a nice little, little bow on top. Mm-hmm. It was a nice day. It's yeah. a beautiful day. You know what? We got, we got home early. We knocked out this podcast. I'm going to get it done in time to be able to take my wife out for dinner. Very nice. You know, we can all go out and do something and, and enjoy a sunny Saturday night. Yeah, and get a point. Well, sunny Saturday afternoon. afternoon yeah. and a clear on a long night. weekend. On a long weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we'll keep it positive. As much as, you know, you can be bummed out about the draw. It's like I think, the team's looking better. We're moving ahead. I think and, Toronto and, is definitely a playoff team. R- really? I'm, I'm going to say it. This year? Yep. I'm going to say it. Bold. It is bold, but I'm telling you, it, I think things are in the works. And they didn't, other than that mistake, they could have won that game. They should have won that game, but it's. I don't think it's going to bring them down. And I think they have a new new coaching staff that is positive and pushing and a new a new view on life, so to speak. Mm. I think I think it's going to come down to the wire, but I think it's possible. I don't think it'll be this year. Okay. But I think as long as everything, you, no one, no one's like screws it up in terms of the infrastructure and the stability, and, and they're able to go next year and they don't choke like they did in two thousand and beginning of two thousand twelve, two thousand fourteen. Yeah, it's I can't see how they couldn't yeah. because it looks you can see things turning around. You can at least see the mentality team is is much better than it's been. In what the is last, it? Four points in four games. Yes, we have a win. Yeah, a win. And yeah, that's a right. Draw. Two losses. Two losses. Two losses a Not win great, a but you know what? It's better than two thousand twelve. Better than zero and nine. Yeah, and then maybe that'll. You know what? That'll be my caption at the start. Better than two thousand twelve. <laughs> Even with a draw, Toronto is better than two thousand and twelve. So at that note, you know what? I want to. One last thing, I want to wrap up because obviously people make it this far along and they listen to what we have to say on the podcast and stuff like that. And I, the last time you and I were on, I mentioned going on iTunes. Giving us a rating, you know, looking us up, and people did that, and I totally appreciate oh, it. Oh, great! That's so awesome. pe- please go keep doing it. Hey, and to Mister One Star, what t- did he tell say? me? Tell me, well, he didn't say anything. He just gave me a one star, and I'm, or gave us a one star. But it's like, you know what? Why? Why? Tell yeah. me why it's a one star. Yeah. So we can fix it. Obviously, exactly. you wasted forty minutes of your time. And you're not happy with it. Yeah. So give us a chance to determine. Unless it he wanted five, and he just by mistake pressed one, and then that's exactly what happened. Could happen. <laughs> Those iTunes are tricky. Yeah. Star ratings. So at that, like we say, Andre still not on Twitter. I don't know. I'm still thinking about it. You mean you know what? You can find him on our website. That's, just, send it through, just send it through to me at, at Clark RNO. There it is. Catch me on Twitter, and uh, you know next weekend against uh, FC Dallas. We'll catch you then, Andre. 
What side are you on? I don't know. You're on the north I'm side. I'm on the north side. Spark? On the south side. Yeah. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. Eastside Stand-Up is the only Toronto C-specific podcast breaking down the game right after it happens. We want you to be involved. Reach out to us on Twitter through hashtag BSSU or at Red Nation Online. You can email us at have your say at Red Nation Online or info at Red Nation Online. Get into the discussion on Toronto FC through Eastside Stand-Up and Red Nation Online. Understand him. He'll understand you. For you are him.